It is so, so good to get to share God's word with you tonight. My name is Davy, um, and I am one of the pastors here at Dundald Elam, and I'm really excited to share this. Um, if you are joining us here online and you're a follower of Jesus, I, I believe this word could speak to you. It's a, it's a, a challenge and a reminder and, and almost will realign us to what God is, how God works through our lives if you're joining us here or online and you're not a follower of Jesus, well, this gives you a bit of an insight into what actually does it mean to be a Christian and, and how does God work through us? How does this creator, this God of the universe use our lives? And as the past couple of um, weeks, we've been looking at big questions. Tonight's big question is, how can I make a difference? And I want to read um, from some verses in Ephesians chapter 2. And... Ephesians chapter 2, and it's the first 10 verses. And some of these, these verses we're going to read are some of the most powerful words that, you could, that Paul writes um, in the New Testament in Scripture. He's writing to the church of Ephesus, and it'll come up on the screen if you don't have a Bible. But let's just hear some of these words that Paul says. He says, As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins. Nice opener, Paul. In which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Paul's saying all of us used to live this way. All of us once lived according to our flesh and our desires and what we wanted. And like the rest... We were by nature deserving of wrath. But listen to this in verse 4. But because of his great love for us, God, who is so rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. For it is by grace that you have been saved. Paul goes on to say, And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. Verse 8, Paul then repeats what he has said in verse 5. And because some parents in here know that you have to repeat things and repeat things and repeat things to your children until they go in. And he says in verse 8, once again, for it is by grace that you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is a gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Paul mentions twice that we were not saved by our good works, but we were saved for good works that God prepared in advance for us to do. If you've been part of Dundal Elam for the past couple of years, then you have either had the privilege to endure or enjoy me getting to, to preach. Um, and I just want to take a moment to thank you all. Um, as, as doing my MIT here in Dundal Elam, I want to thank you for being gracious, for supportive, for encouraging um, me as I try to work through what it means to, to be a minister and to, to serve God in my life. So I want to thank you for giving me the opportunity to get to do this. But over the past couple of years also, you've went on the journey um, of myself and Kelsey um, and how we, uh, in our marriage, because I seem to share some random stories from here. And I've learned along the way, there's certain things you just don't say, and I've learned that the hard way. <laughs> but I remember growing up, um, and, and we, we're having a blast enjoying marriage. 
and having a laugh with it. Um, but there's certain things when, when I was younger and not married, I used to think, I remember like looking at my mom and dad and the conversations I, they would have had, and I used to think like, so, you know, when does life get really boring? And you just talk about like boring stuff. And now I'm not saying marriages are boring, let's hear me out. Um, <laughs> We're, as I said, absolutely loving it. But we realized, because Kelsey and I, I think we're like 18 months into being married, um, and we realized pretty soon that you do have some just not exciting conversations about stuff. Um, let me give you an example. It's coming up to Christmas. It was only a matter of time before I decided to get a Christmas um, sermon in. It's coming up to Christmas. Um, and so Kelsey and I have been talking about what we would like for Christmas. And it's interesting that the older you get, I've realized the older you get, um, your needs and your wants become the same thing. So when you're younger, you needed clothes and you needed like aftershaves and deodorants, but it's not what you wanted. You would have wanted toys, you would have wanted games, you would have wanted like bikes and, and things like that. Um, but now, when the older you get, those things become your wants. Like you love a five pack of, of next socks on the 25th of December. You open them up and you're like, keep them coming, keep them coming. Or when I was younger, I used to get like loads of Lynx deodorant sets. I thought, what's going on here? Now I am living for a Lynx deodorant set. Like, <laughs> I had a shower this morning, and that's, the, that's it until the 25th of December, because I'm going to drop hints to you all, get the Lynx sets in. There's just certain things that you, what you need and what you want become the same thing. And so Kelsey and I have been chatting about what we will um, get for Christmas. And so what the conversation has went, has went like this. What about we get a Hoover? The humans are getting a hoover. Um, and we started to talk about, now, now we have a hoover in our house, um, but it just, we, we got it for when we were married, um, and we just realized it, it doesn't sort of pick up the dirt on, on our vinyl floor, because we don't use it, but that's another question. <laughs> no, 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 it doesn't, it doesn't pick it up as well, and then the wee rug that we have and coming into our house, it doesn't seem to pick it up. You're thinking, where are you going with a Bible with this? Let me get there. Um, and so we, we realized, like, we need to get, we need to get another hoover. We've also discussed about getting a tumble dryer. So we're going on, if you want to send any reviews our way, let us know how they're going for you. But we're realizing that there's these things that we have. So we had, a, we had a Hoover, we had an iron. We realized we need to get another iron because we already have these. But we realized when we got it, it doesn't do the job that, that we really needed. We got it and thought this will do the job, but we realized when we got it, 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 it's not doing what we need. It's not making a difference in our home, and we realized, okay, well, we'll need to get another one. That was a silly, that was a silly you know, mistake getting that one. Now, with a hoover and with a, a, an iron and those things, it's not too bad for us because, um, God willing, we will have, we'll get more money to be able to, to use these things. But the parallel is different when we think about our lives because very often we can spend our lives and putting our lives in a direction of something and realizing that it was wasted or realize that we, it didn't make a difference. We can spend our lives putting our lives towards something and realizing, no, that didn't make a difference. And we only get one life. And so the tension is that we could be spending our lives, this one life that we have here on earth, trying to make a difference in things that don't really matter. We could build a reputation that won't matter. We could build a career that won't last. We could spend our lives building a bank balance that is only momentary. We could spend our lives building a social media profile that doesn't represent our reality. And so as we look at tonight the question of how can I make a difference, I want to take a step back and, and look at the definition of what we mean by making a difference. 
What do we mean by we say, when we say making a difference? Because here's the one thought I want to make tonight, and I'll take a bit of time explaining. Our definition of a difference will determine the direction of our decisions. Now, that's a long-winded lot of alliteration, but I'll explain over the next 20 minutes or so. Our definition of what we mean by making a difference will determine the direction of our decisions. So what do we mean by making a difference? What is our definition of a difference? I think our understanding of making a difference is largely based on immediacy. We will only say that something has made a difference if we can notice a change instantly. We spend our lives living for instant gratification. You only need to look at how we name things. Fast food, instant coffee. We want the things quickly. We want to see a difference quick. We want the, the, latest, the, the latest crash course diet that will cause us to lose weight quickly. We don't want to have to wait. We want it instantly. And so too often, we define making a difference by its immediacy. Do we notice a difference quickly? Because if we can notice a difference instantly and quickly, then we will say, yes, that has made a difference in our lives. Yet, we see, when we read this Bible, we see so often there are so many people throughout Scripture who have made a difference on earth. And in fact, what's really cool about the Bible is they put them into like one chapter uh, well, it's throughout the whole of Scripture, but in one chapter in Hebrews 11, we see like a whole group of these people, which I think it's kind of cute. We do this sort of cute churchy thing where we like call it a wee funny name, like it's the Hall of Fame, like this wee cute church thing. Come on, look at the Hall of Fame. But in Hebrews chapter 11, it gives us a list of all of these people who made a difference on earth. But I want to turn your attention, if you can turn with me to Hebrews chapter 11, to verses 13 to 16. Because we have all of these stories of people who made a difference. But then in the middle of the author of Hebrews writing all of these people and what they did, in the middle of it, it says this. All these people were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance, admitting that they were foreigners and strangers on earth. People who say such things show that they are looking for a country of their own. If they had been thinking of the country they had left, they would have the opportunity to return. Instead, they were longing for a better country, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. It says there, instead, they were longing for a better country. These people... We're making a difference on earth, but that wasn't what they were defining making a difference by. Their, their eyes and their focus was on eternity. It was on a different home, a heavenly home. You see, for us here on earth, we might not make a difference here on earth. But I am massively encouraged when I hear stories of, like the man Jim Elliot. Jim Elliot, who, who gave his life as a martyr for the cause of Jesus when he went to an indigenous tribe in Ecuador to take the gospel with him. And he barely got onto the island to this tribe with, before him and a, a number of friends died. They, they came with the, 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 the purpose to take the gospel, but they lost their lives there as martyrs. He didn't get, he didn't get to see him making a difference here on the 70 to 80 odd years average we have on earth. But that was not what his purpose was. His eyes were fixed on eternity. Or 
I don't know if you've heard the story. There's a video, there's a powerful video on YouTube that tells a story about the song that I have decided to follow Jesus. And the story goes that there was this family who were in India, an evangelical Christian family in India taking the gospel. And they were in this little village and the, the village tribe leader took this family and threw them into the village, uh, into the middle and surrounded them. And with this man and this woman and his two children, he said this, man, I want you to renounce your faith in Jesus or I'm, we're going to kill your children. And it was in that moment that he started singing these words. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. And then this tribe leader instantly murdered this man's two children. Immediately after he said, I'll give you another opportunity to renounce your faith in Jesus Christ. But I want you, and that's what you need to do, and your wife will stay alive. He then started to sing, the cross before me, the world behind me, no turning back, no turning back. And instantly the man saw his wife murdered before him. This tribe leader said, you have one more opportunity to renounce your faith in Jesus Christ, or you yourself will lose your life. And again, he started singing those famous lines, the, uh, though none go with me, still I will follow, no turning back, no turning back. And there this man lost his life. To you and I and to the world, that seems like a waste of a life. That man didn't make a difference. On here on earth, he didn't make a difference. It wasn't instant. We didn't see it. But after what we hear of the stories, that man of the tribe leader and the whole village looked at this, this family and saw, why would they give their lives to something like this? Why would they do this? And in that moment, him and the whole village repented and gave their lives to Jesus. What a story of someone who is so fixed on eternity and fixed on keeping his eyes on not here on earth, not making a difference here, but thinking about eternity. And this whole family, this whole village lives were changed. I feel like the, the issue for, for a lot of us, and myself included, is we're so busy spending our lives rather than investing our lives. You see, when you spend, the result and reward is immediate. Whereas when you invest, the result and the reward is immeasurable. You cannot measure it. It's, it's so, we're so fixed, fixed sorry, on, on tomorrow rather than right now, rather than here. There's going to be a video coming on in just a second. It's just a lighthearted clip of, of this. Um, it's a show on Netflix and it's like a couple of minutes um, long. But it again gives this idea of how you and I, for us to define what it means to make a difference, cannot be simply about what we see right here and what now but actually about tomorrow, so if we could play that clip. Famous Stanford marshmallow experiment tests children's self-control. You have a choice. You can eat it now, totally cool, or if you can wait till I get back, I'll give you a second marshmallow. I can, I can do it. You can wait 10 minutes? Mm -hmm. Okay. Oh, by the way, if you want, you can use that cup to cover it up so you don't have to look at it. Good luck. Researchers showed that by putting a marshmallow in front of a kid and daring him not to eat it, you could tell if one day they'd be the next Steve Jobs or the next Steve Gutenberg. Now, in the original experiment, they just waited to see what happened, but I don't have the patience for that.
Alright. Oh, you ate it. That's okay. I didn't eat it. I lifted a cup and it was gone. How'd you do? Good. Was it good? Yeah. I pretty much flipped the cup. It just disappeared. What disappeared? The marshmallow. Would you like another one? Oh, buddy, here. You want to eat this one? It's okay. Here, eat this one. You can eat this one. It disappeared like magic? Yeah! Well, eat this one. Tell me how it tastes. Good. Is it good? Well, we made a kid cry, so I'd say phase one was a success. And so that's just a little video to show that oftentimes it can be how we feel here on Earth. We're so fixated on right now, the here and the now, what we have now, that we don't even think about eternity. But I wonder if for us to make a difference, if we were to be more aware of eternity, if we were more aware about not just thinking about what we can get here and now. Because if we were to invest in our lives, an investment gets initially smaller and gets less before it becomes greater later. This story is in a parable that Jesus teaches in Matthew 25, 14 to 30. He tells this parable where he gives these, these three different men, these three different servants, uh, a talent, a bags of gold, and he gives a guy five who invests it and then gets 10 back. But at one point, whilst he had investing them, he would have went from five to zero. And so an investment of our lives sometimes gets smaller and less before it gets greater later but it will get greater if you're in here and we're followers of Jesus then when we invest our lives when we put them into something it will get less initially here on earth but our investment will be immeasurable our investment will be greater in fact 1 Corinthians 2 9 says that what no eye has seen and what no ear has heard and what no human mind has conceived the things that God has prepared for those who love him this is saying to us that you literally cannot see, hear, or comprehend in your heart what your investment will receive if you pour your life into following Jesus. Nothing on this earth can satisfy. Nothing on this earth can compare to what God has prepared for us. And so our definition of a difference determines the direction of our decisions. If we measure a difference simply based on instant gratification, then our decisions and our choices in life will be directed at what at achieving immediately. What can we achieve now? What can I get here right now? What can I get in my earth? What, what possessions, what materialistic things, what money, what pleasures, what things in life can I get right now? Because that's, what all, that's all life is about, is achieving and getting right here and right now. However, true maturity is found in not giving up what you want most for what you want now. And so our challenge tonight, guys, is this. Don't give up that which is important for that which is immediate. When we, we got to go, when we were in, in America to the Billy Graham, um, Billy Graham Museum, and when you walk through the Billy Graham Museum, you get to see through different um, rooms that you go in, across the walls are pictures of, of Billy Graham with um, famous world leaders and celebrities, but there's also quotations that come up in the walls. And one quotation from Billy Graham said that, I am convinced that the greatest act of love that we can ever perform for people is to tell them about God's love for them in Christ. It's not the most profound um, quotation, but it, for Billy Graham, for him, the greatest act that we could do is point people to Jesus Christ and point people to their eternity. That is the greatest act that we could have. And he was convinced that the greatest way to make a difference 
was to consider eternity by telling people about the love of Christ. And so this better understanding of what definition a difference is leads us to investing better where our resources go. It allows us to choose a better direction. And so I want to look at the direction of a difference. How we make a difference. And in order to do so, we need to look at this scripture in Ephesians 2 closely and understand a simple principle of timing. And so if we could look at Ephesians 2 verse 10 again, because it says, For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works or to make a difference, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So we were created to do good works. It's our purpose. However, these good works were created in advance. They were created before us. These good works that you and I were created to do were made before you were made. So God has prepared in advance a difference that you could make on earth for eternity. It was prepared by him for you. And you and I came after it. And this is where the tension comes. Because each of us individually has a good work that God has prepared in advance. And so Kelsey, I need to borrow you for an illustration. So let's say Kelsey represents all of us. This is, this is, she's representing every single one of us. Over here, I'm going to represent the good works that God has created for us in advance. So I appeared onto the scene before Kelsey. God created the good works for us to do before he created the, the, us ourselves. And so we have here the destiny. We have here the person or the thing that God has, the good works that God has created for you to do. And so this means, can you hold that? This means that this work began before we did. And so God has created a good work in advance that should pull us. It should pull us towards doing the right thing. It should be a pull that pulls us towards acts of righteousness, acts of kindness. But the reality is what we find ourselves doing is most of our life is, can you go that way? Is trying to pull against sometimes, going against what God, trying to do good works simply by ourselves, trying to make a difference simply by ourselves. And so this tension comes when sometimes you're pulling pull that way, but you're not going anywhere because I'm stronger. <laughs> We're not going to have a tug of war here. Jonathan's freaking about it, about his piano. No, but what happens is you pull and you pull, but you're not going anywhere. And you, she could pull in any direction, but it's not going anywhere. Thank you. And so this is the tension that we have about how we make a difference, about how we do good works. We solely think sometimes it's based on us. How can I make a difference? Well, I do this or I do that. And it, it simply takes out of the equation the Holy Spirit trying to lead us and trying to guide us. We try to push and pull against things that we think that this is the right thing. But God is saying, I have created a good work for you specifically. It's trying to lead you. I'm trying to lead you into acts of love. I'm trying to lead you into making a difference. I'm trying to lead you into where I have called you to be. And I wonder if you're listening online or in here. And at this moment of life, you find yourself frustrated. You find yourself frustrated in your purpose. You find yourself frustrated in what you are supposed to do here in life. And for me, I often find myself in seasons where I am frustrated, and I think it's a negative thing. 
But I think actually our frustration is a good thing because our frustration is trying to tell us something. Our frustration is trying to tell, hey, I'm not supposed to be doing this. I'm not getting anywhere with this. I'm pulling and I'm pulling, but I'm not going anywhere. And God might be trying to give your frustration a job. God might be trying to give your frustration a purpose to say, I want you to point me, point back to my, my calling. I want you to point back to my destiny. And so our frustration is trying to redirect and realign our direction. It's trying to point us back to not trying to lead life and make a difference by ourselves, but say, hey God, you have created good works in advance for me. So I'm going to let them pull me. I'm going to let them lead me. And what this does is this opens our eyes as to our role. So simply our role is this, to listen and to obey. To listen and to obey. If God has created good works for all of us in advance, then he knows exactly how that we should function. And all that we need to do is listen to God and say, God, you lead, I'll follow. You lead, I'll follow. You pull, and I'll go with that. I'll go with that. I'll go with what you're calling me to do. You see, I think there is a difference between what you hear and what you listen to. We don't choose what we hear, but we do choose what we listen to. You can sit in a car and drive to work, and you can hear the people walking along the, the, the sidewalk beside you. You can hear people's cars, you can hear horns, you can hear different things. You can hear the radio, but you give one thing your attention that you listen to. You choose to focus in on one thing. And I wonder, has God been speaking to you, whether you're online or in here, whether you're a follower of Jesus or not, has God been speaking to you and trying to pull you in a direction to make a difference, but we have not chose to listen to it. But our responsibility is to listen and obey. See, you don't need to have a lot, but you need to be willing to let, willing to give what you have. There are so many scriptures in the Bible that begin with let. Matthew 5, 16, in the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds that God has prepared in advance for you and glorify your Father in heaven. James 1, 4, let perseverance finish its work that you may be mature. Colossians 3, 15, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. We need to trust that the Holy Spirit is trying to make a difference in our lives if we let him. If we are willing to say, you lead, I'm not going to pull anymore. I'm not going to create tension anymore. I'm going to just let you lead and guide my life because you know what's best for me. And so our focus now tends to be, okay, I understand that I need to let God do this in my life. I need to just give him control. I need to stop fighting and stop pushing against it. So I'm just going to let him. But oftentimes we see that as a, almost a position that we need to climb up to. I need to get to that position. I need to get to that place. I need to work hard to get to that place and then I can let God lead me. And so we have this almost when-then mentality. When we reach a certain status, then God can use us. And that we think that the date of when God uses us is dependent upon our good grades. We think that God can only use us when we get to a certain place. Maybe you're in here and you're not a follower of Jesus and you think, well, this is a great message, Davey, for all those people who love Jesus, but I don't. Or you have no idea what's, what's going on in my life or the sins that I carry. So I would need to get all that sorted out before God used me. And so I want to finish and come to close to look at the date of a difference. The date 
in which we can make a difference is usually a confrontational one when it comes to Christians and following Jesus. We carry this idea that before we can make a difference, we must become different. We carry this perspective that we must notice a difference before you can make a difference. And I'm not saying that, that God can just use, the, that God just takes us at our worst and uses us whilst we're still in our worst. There still needs to be repentance. But sometimes I think we, we have this idea that when we repent, then we need to work to perfection and God can take us then and use our lives. But this is not what we read in Scripture. We see, and I read so many times in the Bible, that before, that, that God uses people before he changes them completely. That God takes people at their worst and takes them and uses them in their mess and uses them whilst they, before they even reach perfection. Let me give you a few. Jacob was a cheater. Peter had a temper. David had an affair. Noah got drunk. Jonah ran from God. Paul was a murderer. Gideon was insecure. Miriam was a gossip. Martha was a worrier. Thomas was a doubter. Rahab was a prostitute. Sarah was impatient. Elijah was moody. Moses stuttered. Zacchaeus was short. Abraham was old. And Lazarus was dead. Here are some people that God takes despite their feelings and despite their mistakes and uses their life to make a difference. Because in spite of their imperfections, they let God lead. And whoever you are in here online, whatever you find yourself in, that God using you is not dependent on whether you feel perfect. It can start today. I, when I was praying about this during the week, I really thought, how awesome would it be if someone in here or online made a decision tonight to give their lives over to God for the very first time and then tomorrow woke up and went out and made a difference instantly for God in someone's life. How amazing would that be? What a story of transformation to take. Their, their date, these people's dates of making a difference wasn't dependent upon their goodness, but it was dependent upon God's grace. I'm going to ask the band to come and join me on stage. You see, God actually thrives on using reckless people to reinforce his reputation. God thrives in taking broken people and using them to make a difference for him because it reinforces his reputation. And God's reputation is this. I am bigger than your mistakes. I am bigger than your mess. I am bigger than your past. In fact, in 1 Corinthians 1, 27 to 29, Paul says that God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. God chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are so that no one may boast before him. God chooses us as broken people and broken vessels to use because then he will say, only he can be glorified. We can only boast in him. Stephen Furtick says, the love of God is not the reward for change but the resource by which we are changed. You don't reach change and perfection and then God says, now I love you. God says, I love you at the start and that's what changes us. That's what moves us. That's what makes a different difference. God doesn't require us to reach a surfle, surf, certain sorry, level of distinction before he uses us. He will use us despite our dysfunction. He will use us where we are at. And so... The question that was asked at the start, how can I make a difference? I don't think we can really make a difference that lasts 
without the Holy Spirit leading our lives. I don't think we can make a difference that lasts without God's leading and guiding. And so tonight I want to leave you with this challenge. What is the pull in your life? Is your frustration and the tension in your life causing you to to be frustrated with where you're at? And maybe God in this moment tonight is trying to say, I'm trying to use this frustration to realign you. I'm trying to use this frustration to redirect you. It's not a coincidence that you're in this building. It's not a coincidence that you're listening online. I'm trying to use this to redirect you towards what I've called you to. And if you would just let me, if you would let me lead you, together we could make a difference. Maybe tonight for some of you, the pull is to make a decision to let him take control of your life and to make Jesus the Lord and Savior of your life. You've been, like Kelsey in that illustration, pulling the other way for so long, but for so long God has been pulling back saying, no, I'm trying to do something in you. If you would just let me. That the want and the need in your life is to be significant is when you let God take control of you, when you let God lead you. Maybe you've been frustrated for so long trying to push by yourself and tonight God is saying, I want you to let me pull. I gotta ask you to stand and and close your eyes. And just in the quietness of this moment, what is God saying for you to do? What is the area of your life that you maybe need to let him lead out on? What is the areas of your life? Maybe it's something you've struggled with, a a relationship, a friendship, a, a choice, a decision that you need to let God lead out on. Maybe it is for you, your life, giving him complete and utter control of it. And God is saying, let go. I know what you were created for. I created a good work for you to do. Your life can be significant for me when you let me lead out on that. For you tonight, if you're in here, you're online, and it might be to make a decision to follow Jesus, we would love you to get in contact with us. It'll go up on, we'll we'll post the um, email addresses on the the Facebook for you to, to message in on us or message through on the Facebook page. We would love to get in contact. If tonight you want to say, I need to let go, I need to stop pulling, I need to stop pulling against God and I need to let him lead. If you're in here tonight and it's tonight you feel it's time to, to stop fighting against what God is calling you to, into a relationship and an adventure and a life with him, then why don't you grab a chat with us after? We'd love to take some time to encourage you and to pray for you. But we're going to respond in some worship. But before we do, let me just pray. Father God, we are sorry, God, at times where we think that in order to make a difference, it's all about simply us and what we can do. But God, I thank you that when we look at our own lives, we were not saved by what we did. We were not saved by our works. We were not saved by us making a difference. We were saved by grace, which is a gift from you. And so we can only boast in Christ. We can only boast in you. And so we thank you for that. And God, we're sorry that in moments we think that we could make a difference here on earth by ourselves. So God, tonight we come to this place where we're letting go. We're letting go control. We're giving you it all. 
We're going to stop fighting against you, God. And we're going to let you lead our lives. We're going to let you lead our decisions, our big life choices, our tomorrows, God. We let you lead us because we know that you have created something greater for us if we would just trust you and listen and obey. So we pray, Father God, would you speak into us now and the rest of this week that we could go and make a difference that wouldn't just affect here on earth but would affect eternity in people's lives. Thank you that you have a plan for us. Thank you that you don't wait until we reach perfection but you say just give me what you have now. Give me what you are now. Let me take control of what you have and I will make a difference through that.